Lord Jesus. We thank you. God, we thank you for what an awesome opportunity to come into your presence, Lord, to be changed. I come against the attempts of the enemy right now to distract, to build up pride, to puff up, to, to cause us to want to hold back. But God, as a, we sang, Lord, to be able to sing in spirit and truth, I surrender all, nothing less, my best, my all, every breath, Lord, that if we truly surrender, God, everything, Lord, what you can do in us, what you can do for your kingdom, God, through us, if we truly surrender everything, God, I pray today would be a, a day of spiritual awakening, God, of surrender, Lord, of freedom, of chains being broken, Lord, from our lives, and we just come to you, God, humbly, Lord, asking those of us that our hearts are just breaking and crying out, God. For you to change us. That, Lord, it be contagious. Not one would leave here today without that ache in their heart to be changed, to be truly to connect with you, God, in, in such a way that they never want to be the same again. We want to experience you, Lord, in everything you have for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. You can be seated. I've been praying. You know that song says everything about what a pastor what a pastor tries to do is if I just come surrendered if I can just get myself out of the way because it's just a, it's that's it if you're looking for the key if you're looking for that that thing that just where you reach heaven where where I can put all the Christianese in it but but it, where it just wells up and it just wants to spill out it's when you totally let yourself be empty how do you do that pastor well you know look I, I look at my pride and maybe my relationship with my wife. Have I have I been sharp tongued with her? Have I do I need a pause or do I need to empty that out? Ha, have I have I been ruining my relationships around me? Have I ignored God in my communion with Him? Whatever I can to empty myself out and say, you know, those are things that my pride, myself would want to hang on to. You know, I want to protect myself. I want to build up my defenses. I want to, you know, I have all these wants. I have all these emotions, all these things. And you say, I am ready to give it all up because I want to be free. I want to be free of that. And I'm telling you, the freedom and the Holy Spirit to just let go. To just let go. I mean, you know, disappointment's always around the corner. You, you can receive that as much as you want. You can walk out this door and there'll be a million places you go and be disappointed, a million people to offer disappointment to you. But never, ever, as we learned in one of our lessons lately, never, ever has anyone gone and experienced the true power of God and after they've experienced that in a real way and know it was Him, step back and said, you know what? I don't think I want any of that. It's always when people have come and they, they try to reason out and think that they experienced God because they had some head knowledge about Him or that they went to church, or they tried religion, but not when you really experience the power of God moving and coursing through your, through your spirit. There's just nothing like it. Well, I want to give um, an opportunity, actually, uh, worship team, thank you, and I, I don't want to hold them up from being able to sit down, but there's a couple things I want to encourage you with. You know, we've said and laid it out there before the Lord that God would help us. I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. I, what I was going to say wasn't that emotional. But we've been asking God to help us um, with um, our building project and the finances and that if we would raise $100,000, God would bring money from outside. And, you know, there's a pretty quiet stretch there. We went to Mass Convention and all these other churches and assembly got organizations saying, hey, we just got $100,000. Literally, they kept saying that amount. And I'm saying, oh, we didn't get $100,000. I don't want to disappoint. But... We kept believing, and so I said, you know, I feel like God was challenging us because the numbers came out that we needed to raise 100000 ourselves and another 100000 to get in that category where the debt wasn't uncomfortable for us. And so, you know, we pledged 40000 is what came in. We challenged families to do a, a pledge of $2,500 for, for a year or whatever uh, God led them to do. And so we've had several churches partnering with us, and the Assemblies God District recently gave us $20,000, and I was a little late getting the mail at the end of the week, and so I went out to get the check, uh, get our mail, and Rogers First Assembly God, which has already several times sent blessings, but uh, another check for $2,500. And I don't know that they even know. Yes, let's give the Lord praise. 
I don't even know if they know the amount that I've been challenging families. So I almost just, it's like, you know, in the spiritual realm, you want to be curious who just made a pledge that didn't. That's what I'm curious. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I just almost wonder if someone, after the last encouragement, said, you know what, I didn't make my pledge, but I'm going to. And, um, you know, these are always nervous for me because I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I know about the televangelism, you know, if you give $100, God will give you this. And we're not getting into that. I just, I just can't help but see his handiwork, you know. And when we've laid it out and said, God, we'll, we'll try to do this and, and believe you for, for the rest. And so um, that also comes on the tail end of a couple of expenses that we just step out in faith that, you know, everybody's getting tired that's volunteering and we need to get those curbs and gutters and decide to pay a guy and, to do it and it was going to come out to about $4,200 in labor we weren't expecting and but I was trying real hard to make it make sense that now you got to understand the interest we pay extra you know for how long it takes us to do it but you know God's just been faithful he, we take a step we pray I, I contact the advisor team hey should we do this and everybody agreed let's take a step of faith God's going to provide so um, he's been awesome and um, I also want to just share with you testimony yesterday uh went to the rv maps convention in springfield and um some of you already have seen on facebook we had a, a, a near near serious very serious accident three cars involved yesterday um none of us hit each other it's actually concrete chunks of concrete coming out of the highway and uh launched our car and two other vehicles uh literally launched us in air and uh so hard it punched a hole through our wheel not the tire but the wheel and uh so we were shaken. Uh, me and the kids, Jen stayed home to get a restful day, and we showed up. But, you know, um, God was faithful, and the, the director for MAPS, uh, Brother Billy Thomas, um, really took took uh, care and concern of how long our project's going and how tired we must be getting. And they are going to work to try to get a church team here to help us get the drywall done. And so um, basically they have the option to get churches to, like a mission trip. They come, they provide their own um, housing, basically to get hotels they come week or two weeks whatever it is and they come and they they help and some some of the stories they said they've knocked out a, a large amount of drywall in a short time so um, i'm gonna be talking to him tuesday pray that that works out and uh, so we're excited for that um i've got one more testimony somebody else i'm gonna ask them to share before i go in the message but i want to give us an opportunity to give uh, in the tithe and offering if i have our ushers By the way, that opportunity to serve as ushers is open for anybody else that is uh, interested in, in doing that. Dear Jesus, God, I thank you for today and the um, wonderful church um, song that we sung today, God. And um, I pray that we would continue to do so today. God, and sing your praises in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, it was a, a great uh, experience yesterday at the RV Mass Convention, and I did lay out a challenge that came to me recently um, that uh, may seem silly to some, but we are, we are wanting to see our RV spots filled with volunteers. And if we were to pull my dad's uh, RV out there, we have six left uh, right now. And of course, as people uh, you know, fulfill their time and go on, there's more open, but there's six right now. What I challenge the RVers to is if anyone recruits and gets our RV spots filled with RV Maps volunteers, then I will allow them to shave my beard via live Facebook in a service. Now, if you grew up in the Somebody's God, um, youth pastors usually did stuff like swallowing goldfish or whatever, raise funds. Um, so, you know, uh, I didn't want to go that route. I, <laughs> I mean, I like fish, but not that way. Um, <laughs> So uh, that, that was one that uh, you know, I thought would be uh, fun. So I, I wanted to add to that challenge. I want to have a little competition, if you will, between the RV Maps uh, folks and our church folks. Um, you know, first service, we have more seats open than second service, seems like, often. So this is a good service to mention this. But I'll make the same offer. The first 
the first service where we fill every seat. I don't want a fluke where you just borrow your friends from another church. You know, come, but I mean, you invite folks, your neighbors, your coworkers. When we fill every seat in here, then I will let the person that bring, brought the most that day shave my beard via live Facebook in service. Um, so, you know, some are not going to like that, going to think it's corny and, and don't like it, and some think it's fun. The, the point is this, is we have plenty of opportunity to reach souls, and um, I've been begging for it anyway, so I just figured I'd make a little uh, incentive for someone, um, and I'll commit to keeping the beard off for a while. I won't just grow it right back, so, you know, it'll be a while. So uh, that's the challenge. So whoever gets there first, if the RVers fill the spots or we fill a service, um, either way, uh, they get a chance to shave it off. Not a straight razor. I do not have a death wish, so we're not doing the old school straight razor. It'd be a clippers, all right? So don't, don't get any ideas, anybody that's wanting a new pastor. All right, so anyway, we throw that challenge out there and uh, excited for what's to come. Uh, again, I just uh, challenge you, we're getting ready to put the rock on the uh, front pillars, so very soon the actual exterior of the building will be pretty much complete other than painting some doors. Um, that will be about it. So praise God for that. Well, we're, uh, we have been focusing on, oh, I've got one more testimony. Don, would you mind, I know Gladys isn't here till next service, but would you mind sharing about the, uh, about what you shared with me about witnessing to that gentleman? If you don't mind coming up. Well, come on up, come on up here. Let me go see your face. Don's always back there in the back and Yeah, when I, I went to Harrison here a while back, last, I don't know, a week or two ago, for an interview, uh, uh, orientation. And me and my wife went to eat at a pizza place there in Harrison. And this gentleman, was he's a little little guy, real loud, nice guy. He was from Philadelphia. <laughs> he was really nice, but he was loud and talkative. But uh, he kept uh, using the name of our Lord, you know, in vain and... I said, hey, would you like to join us to eat? <laughs> and my wife was looking at me like, what are you doing? And, uh, well, we talked a little bit, and, I, and he said it again. And I said, hey, sir, could, could you not say that word there, please? Because he, he doesn't do that. He saves. And uh, anyway, we, went, we, we talked and laughed and went outside and prayed with this man. He gave me a big old hug, a little... I give my wife a hug, and just uh, the opportunity to to serve and be obedient, and and he was grateful. I think you know maybe that made a difference. But boy, if you get a chance, talk to people, let them know. You know, I I talk a lot, but I miss a lot of opportunities. I'm not I'm not gonna. I'm going to take them opportunities to share that the Lord, that the good news. And I encourage you to do that, and it'll be a blessing to you too. All right. Thank you. Come on, keep going, keep going. Well, um, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely a blessing to hear those stories of, of people reaching out to others. And, you know, we, we look for this story of, you know, the person is saved from drug addiction or pornography or these things. And those are awesome. Those are incredible uh, for those chains to be broken. But, you know, I think the statistics are that 80% of the people that are unchurched say that they would go if they're invited. And, you know, on top of that, it's not just inviting them to a church service, but inviting them into your lives. Don invited the, this man into their lives for a moment, a meal. To, to sit, and it gave him the opportunity to speak into his life. You know, I've learned as a pastor, I've said this before, some people I'm just their preacher, which means that they're happy and they're good and well, everything's going good, but if, they, if I ever had to in love biblically correct them, you know, that's where you find out if you're their pastor or their preacher. If you're their preacher, they're likely gone, mad, causing you problems, whatever. If they're your brother, your friend, and you're their pastor, then generally you can work through that and you can, you can bring healing. You know, as the Bible say, you know, if, if a brother is sinning and, and you go to him, if you gain back that brother, I mean, how awesome is that? That's incredible. Well, I want to, I want to have just a little chat, if we can, for a little bit about something that 
we're talking about spiritual awakening, but that that accompanies something else. When you begin to believe and to pray for a revival or a spiritual awakening, there's something else very serious, very intense that happens along with that. It's almost necessary, if you will. And that's spiritual warfare. We 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 make the mistake, I believe. This is just my projecting onto what I believe in the hearts and minds because I've I've been there. I've lived I've lived in the pews and I've now I've lived in the pulpit. And um, I believe we often dumb down, if you will, the spiritual warfare. It's like, oh, that devil, he's tricky. You know, and I get what we're saying. We, we make a conversation, but, but it, he's not just tricky. He's vicious, evil. He, he's waiting to destroy. That, that word, because of, you know, I, I know we, we um, don't joke, but we talk about the, the violence in movies and video games and all, but the truth of the matter is that comes from him. He is, he is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. There is no joke about it. And when you pastor and you watch families break apart, sometimes inside the church, when you think, God, am I failing? I mean, why, why would a family break apart while you're ministering? I mean, obviously, you know, things should be going great because we're following you. And then I have to eat my words and think, you know what? I'm the one teaching y'all that we've set people up wrong uh, throughout church history, at least the last two or three decades, telling people, we come to church, our church won't hurt you. I would beg you, no matter if this is your church home or anywhere you go, please don't tell people that. You're lying to them. Our church won't hurt you. Well, the church as a whole may not, but there's people in the church, and people hurt people because there's still sin. And you cannot give that stamp of guarantee on any place you go that you have that control. Believe me, if it was that easy, I'd be the most successful pastor in the world. All the pastors would be calling me, how are you doing that? How are you controlling your people from not hurting other people? How do you not have problems? You know? And so we talked about that at length. I brought that up a lot. But what the core root of that, what, what's happening is because of spiritual warfare. It's because the enemy is getting a foothold in relationships. The enemy is tearing apart at the family units and at, at people. And so, listen, this isn't in the notes. This is a precursor to the sermon. I'm just going to tell you that I had this desire in me as I was building up excited for worship. I thought, you know, this is great. But if someone can stand there at the power of God moving and the spirit of God moving and not be broken and their spirit not be broken and they not just feel like oh, just almost sobbing in the Lord because he's emptying them out, then that means that they may not identify that, that, that they're in a battle for their soul right then. They're in a battle and, and there's a battle waging and they, they aren't just a bystander. You can't just say, I'll let God and Satan work it out. Right now I'm not feeling this. You're making a choice every time. If you don't engage fully in worship, and I'm not talking about, you know, listen, I grew up where Pastor Jim, I almost put this on Facebook, and Andrew loved this. Pastor Jim used to say, come on, church, go after God. Go after God. And that's, that's the pastor that started this church. And he grew up old-time Pentecostal and, and a younger guy, but, you know, it was genuine for him. We knew that. But I always think about the person who walked to the church and think, you know, go after God or, you know, come on, church. And just like it was almost cheerleading to get us to get into worship. But I understand that now because what he understood and what I'm understanding now is that literally there is a battle being waged and many times one of the greatest battles is right here in the, in the pew or in the seat of the church because if you can't fully release yourself to express your love and admiration to God openly here in this safe environment, then it's not happening outside of here. I'm just going to be blunt with you. It's like I, I heard, um, I was listening to some other sermons and Jen, I think you're listening with me. Was it Pastor Lindell? That sermon that I was listening, he was, maybe you didn't listen in on that one, but he was talking about, he talked about spiritual warfare. He was talking about, if, if you tell me what somebody's thoughts are, I could tell you what their deeds are. Because your deeds will follow your thoughts. Now, we have a lot of stray thoughts to go through, but the ones that, that are allowed to continue. And, and that's, again, spiritual warfare. You know, uh, there's something I saw on Facebook Memories I didn't repost, but it was something either I or Jen posted some years back, and it was, a uh, picture of uh, ba basically David holding the sling and stone. It said, you know, David didn't set out to go slay Goliath. He set out to take his brother some sandwiches. I call them sandwiches. He, he was taking his brother some sandwiches, and Goliath got in the way. And that's truly how I look at spiritual warfare, is I'm setting out to fight and war for the kingdom of God, and, and, devil and his, the devil and his demons are just getting in the way. And every time there's a, a conflict in the church or a conflict with, with a fam, between a family members or something's going on like that, I don't look at it. You know, even when someone has, has maybe caused hurt because they failed in an area, it's just 
I realize, look, the devil won. He did something. I, maybe I'm naive and I give people too much credit that they're not evil themselves. I just believe that, that we have a sinful nature that we're born with, but the devil is a puppet master trying to pull those strings and get us to react. We've got to be understanding that, that while we're crying out for spiritual awakening, anytime I've seen people begin to be freed up and begin to worship, that there's attacks on families. I, I realized yesterday, now let me tell you what happened before our little car, our, our car accident on the highway. Um, I don't know, four in the morning or so. I planned to get up early because my sister was doing a half marathon. She's really been focused on being healthy and lost weight and her husband both. And I've been proud of them because I know that's hard, you know, to have that discipline. So uh, the race started at seven and there's going to be like 2,000 people in it. And there's going to be all kinds of vendors. So I knew parking. So I went, went I was going to go early, but I didn't plan to go as early as I did because I woke up in a terrified dream that I was in my car responding to um, an accident and my car caught on fire. And so, you know, it kind of had her worried. We were already on alert before I even left. Jen was really concerned. She said, maybe I should go with y'all. I said, no, if something's going to happen. <laughs> Stay here. There needs to be somebody to lead the church. And she's like, maybe I'm definitely going with you. <laughs> But we knew. See, see, that's the thing with spiritual warfare is God begins to put the antennas up and say, look, the enemy's going to try something today. He didn't just show me I-44 and a piece of concrete coming on the highway. It wasn't that. But, but I didn't ignore it. I didn't just say, oh, I ate the wrong thing last night. Bad dream. It, it was enough. It sat me up in the bed straight, scared her to death because I just come out of the bed quick. We've got to be aware that because we are seeking him, God's beginning to get through to some of us, and, and there's a breaking happening that the devil is going to step up his game. Now, I've told a little bit about this before, but early on when Pastor Jim was still the pastor here, Jen and I were vacationing in Branson, staying in a little, you know, we were broke, so it was always the cheap hotels where you walk out the door and there's a highway, basically. And, you know, <laughs> we're standing there, and, and, and we had the kids, and uh, I won't go into great detail, but I had a uh, dream where I was being choked as a, a spiritual being, uh, and I was physically being choked. And then I realized I'm waking up. I could hear people talking outside our door, so I knew I was awake, but I could not breathe. And I got enough mustard, enough strength. I felt like I was being held down. I ended up tapping her leg. She saw, and just like the spirit identified what's happening, she began to pray in the spirit over me, and the thing released me. Now, and the dream had nothing to do with what came to me next. But Austin told her, I said, there's going to be an attack on families. I've got to warn people. And I called. It was like 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. I called Pastor Jim, woke him up on a Saturday morning. And he was like, I told him, he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, Pastor, I was like, seriously. And uh, we called family members. I think Jim and Judy, remember, I called them. You know, immediately nothing happened. And maybe kind of question, six months later, I mean, we're talking about uh, marriages splitting up, divorces, and where the enemy could not get a foothold in the marriage. Um, that's when Colton's arm got broke, both bones had to get pins in it. Um, we had an, another little girl in the church their age that was found floating in the pool for longer than anybody should have lived. She came out without any brain damage or anything, but it was just like tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Now, when I tell that, some are like, Pastor, don't scare people. They won't come here because we're asking for a spiritual awakening. What, I, what I'm telling you is we need to be very aware of the attempts of the enemy and what he will try to do, because that goes along with any time you release. Now, here's the thing. We could sit back in comfort and say, you know what, I'm not going to press in because I don't want any of that coming my way. But his worst trick is to lull you to sleep in your walk, make you so comfortable that, that you drift so far from God before you know it, and then you're dried up and you feel nothing. When the Spirit moves, you feel nothing because you just closed yourself off. And so I would much rather be in the heat of it, in the battle, and feeling, feeling literally like, like he's trying to, to, to kill me than to be so comfortable that I miss it. I want to look at Matthew chapter 12 for a moment. There's not really a main text, if you will. Uh, we could plug this as the main text. But I'm going to look through uh, from verses 22 through 32 in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, 
It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, uh, will be forgiven people by... But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. This is really strong language here coming from Jesus. There's almost a, you know, this is the ultimatum he has thrown down. And and listen, his ultimatum is is directed towards the church leaders and and, and the Pharisees, those who study the law, who believe they know it. And it cautions me, you know, I, I, I've mentioned before about how much disdain I have for all the critics of church out there right now. And it's Christians. You know, book, 10 Reasons Why Pastors Are Killing Churches. Ten, you know, I, some of that stuff's good, I get it. But there's just like this big, a bunch of money making off of just helping out the world to say the church is bad. And I find in the churches sometimes we're so quick to critique a ministry and their approach before we even consider, does, does that pastor seek God? Or you think you've got the corner of the market and they don't know? We're so quick, we're, we're, we'll critique the church and say, you know, this church, I don't like the way they do that, or I don't like the way they do this, but are we really in this spot? God has placed us in that spot to really have that kind of knowledge that that church is doing it wrong? I, I remember back some years back, I had a gentleman that had been involved in some very large ministries, uh, a very accomplished and he'd come in late and leave early, but he'd sit in the back and he'd observe everything's going on. He wouldn't interact with people, but he came for four months. And he got into a disagreement with someone in the church, and uh, the only people he'd really talked to was some of the worship team, but he'd always go around the worship leader. And he came to me and sat in my office, and, he, and for about an hour and a half, two hours, told me everything wrong with our church about not being spiritual enough. This is not a spirit-filled place because spirit-filled means this and that. I went on. And you know, I sat there... And it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was trying to recover in my mind, figure out and absorb what he was saying. And then I just started praying, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't, I don't know where this come from. I mean, I barely know this guy after four months. And then it just came to me. And all of a sudden I said, okay, I, I've received. Now will you receive from me? And I just trust the Holy Spirit saying, I said, look, you have not walked life with these people. You don't know their struggles. You don't know their families. They don't know what they're going through. You don't know, the, you don't know where, where they come from and where they're going. You're not the Lord and you don't know, you cannot stand in judgment over the spiritual walk because you've not even bothered to know their names. So while I understand that you have an observation, you've not plugged into a body of believers, you've kept yourself the outsider and the judge and the critic. And because of that, I can't receive what you say. Because I know these people and I know that their hearts are, they want to discover God, they want to know God. But they're on a journey. They may not be where you think they should be, but we're working on that. And I could use help, but I can't use the help of a critic. And so we split paths. And I think the Holy Spirit, because I felt like I was getting whipped. And that was spiritual warfare. He was letting his tongue be used of the devil because I believed in my spirit. The Holy Spirit was telling me right now and bring a correction to him. And that's tough. If you don't know somebody well, bring correction. Godly correction is tough. It's a lot easier when you walk life with a brother or sister. Jesus saw that these religious leaders had gotten themselves in a place where they thought they had the right to tell Jesus, the Son of God himself, about his ministry. And it should be a warning to us to be careful that we don't get ourselves steeped in this high pride because we've lived uh, the life long enough that we begin to tell others how it needs to happen. I I remember I brought this up a couple times about... um, this biker that was in the Christian motorcycle ministry and where he had had a horrible accident and he was a new believer and he had broken many bones, couldn't even walk. 
was in crutches. And they were having a prayer service, and he'd gone for prayer. And he said, all of a sudden, the back door came open, and he said, these teenagers come in with a spiky green hair and nose piercing, all this stuff. And people were like, who are these people? Came in, began to lay hands on him, speak in tongues and pray for him. And he felt the healing and ended up putting the crutches down, began to walk out of there. And they said, where are you going? He said, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. <laughs> you know, I hear stories about this, and we, we, we get these preconceived ideas about about how church is supposed to happen and how people are supposed to behave and how they act. But what we, we, in doing that, I always ask myself, before I get to that spot, I say, where's my disciples? If I'm going to stand in judgment of others and tell them how they're supposed to minister, then where's the people that are following me as I follow Christ? Where are the people I'm leading to the Lord? Where's the operation of gifts in my, of the Spirit in me? Who's being healed and who's being changed by my life? Now, that's not meant to be condemning or make us feel bad, but I'm just saying before we begin to critique and tell, you know, this ministry, that, we're, we're building a great uh, relationship with a Baptist church down the street from us. I've not been in one of their services, and I probably should sometime get away and do that. You know, uh, Rogers First is, is sowing into us. You know, Bella Vista has sown uh, since the beginning into us. And I don't see any competition between churches. But listen, the enemy, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things the enemy does right here in the Bible Belt is lull us to sleep into believing that we somehow arrived and we know how church is supposed to be. And we have this choice over how we're going to be fed. Instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding us, planning us in place, and us getting our hands dirty and getting in there and ministering. Can't imagine what it's like to uproot from a comfortable home, cable TV, whatever you got, all the amenities, and then just take off not knowing what that church is going to have for you when you show up or that place to build. Getting out of our comfort zones and understanding that this is a spiritual battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through five says, We are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Verse 5, with these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. With these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas and we teach them to obey Christ. In spiritual battles, you cannot use physical weapons. Sometimes it would feel nice, but no. I like guns, but thank the Lord that that's not the kind of religion that we are in, right? You know, if you, you've got that teenage daughter and that uh, non-believing boy is trying to pull her away after all the investment you've been in uh, spiritually banking into her and he's leading her astray, I'm sure at that time you're like, Lord, can you let me use a physical weapon just one time? I'll go old school. It can be a sword. I don't have to use a gun. I figured that'd get some dads and grandpas. But we don't. You won't succeed in battles of this life by your talent, your ability, your intelligence, your finance, or your social skills. Many times when we're looking at adding team members to different ministries in the church, I will tell them, and I always use a worship team, for example, because that's the ones you guys have most interaction with, opposed to youth ministry or anywhere else. But I tell them, I don't need a musician. I don't need a musician. You know, Ken and I, and his heart is right, so don't let me, but Ken, he's got a specific task, and he's thinking, I need to build this team, and we need this or we need that. I said, Ken, now I agree. Uh, it'd be nice for this or that. As long as we keep in mind that we don't need musicians. We need people who are here to lead people to Christ and to set an example for people to follow. Because when you step up here and say, you know, I'm ready to lead, then people are watching. And it's not about just putting a good face forward. You need to really be living what you're preaching. I've watched it happen both before I was a pastor and after, especially in the advisory team. I don't know what it is about advisory team but if you have one guy that goes off reservation and is just starting to get disengaged, not show up to church or anything, I literally see a weakness in the whole body. And here's the deal. It's like they don't even know that person. There's been times I've seen an advisory team member where they've just started kind of, you know, drifting off. And it's busy work, whatever. I'm not condemning them. It's just, you know, their commitment level had changed. And most people don't even know that's an advisory team member, but it's like you can just sense that God wants us to be strong in him and in our ministry and it's a spiritual it's a matter of spiritual warfare it's what i've mentioned many times is how can we move together as a team and begin to let god speak to us if 
a majority of the congregation is hit and miss when we're together. How can you know the game plan God's given if you're not here to hear it? And oh, I can go online. Yeah, but what about when we were praying for people? God would anoint them. Wednesday night, we had our kids. And, and I'm not bragging just on my kids because we have other kids that hit the altars. But, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit was moving on Lily Jean. And we could see her. She's just quivering. And, and just like the Lord impressed me, give her the bottle of oil. Let her anoint. And, you know, she began to minister to people. And so God is equipping the church through the spiritual warfare, but you have to be engaged in the battle for him to use you. You have to be available to him for him to use you. In spiritual battles, you must know how to use the spiritual weapons God gives you. That's the thing. It's, it's not about just knowing that they're there. It's knowing how to use them. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Of love, of power, and of sound mind. God's given us weapons to win, and you can live in a spirit. You can live in spiritual victory by using them. Listen, I I have learned that a long time ago. I used to have these great expectations about all my relationships in my life just being above and beyond and excellent. The problem is the way I used to approach it is I was trying to maneuver with my own skills, my own abilities to try to make those relationships happen. And then finally, God helped me understand I need to go to him and ask him, help this relationship grow. Whether it's with my, my, my mom or my dad or my brothers, my sisters, my, my wife, my kids, whoever it is, God, help me because this is something the enemy is trying to tear at. Help me in these relationships. I've mentioned that in spiritual battle, it's easy to, to take your mind off the fact that it's spiritual and see it as a physical, literal battle. And so if your spouse, you are into it and you're fighting, I found if I could get myself to just stop and say, she's not the enemy. I know who the enemy is, but it's not my wife. It changes something in me and, and no longer am I ready to, hey, let's, let's keep fighting this out. We don't really box. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> But it makes me want to come around her and put my arm around her and be protective because I realize that she might be still fuming and still mad and she's not where I'm at or maybe vice versa. But if we can just stop and say, you know what, we know what's going on. We understand what's going on and we know that God has given us some weapons of warfare if we know how to use them. The first one, the name of Jesus. The first weapon of warfare you have is the very name of your Savior, of Jesus. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. The first weapon that we have is the name of the Lord. I think about those, uh, what we call them, hidey holes, or the, you know, in Nebraska especially, because of the tornadoes, you have these concrete structures out in the yard. What's always funny to me is, why do they always put them so far from the house? I mean, you'd think, wouldn't you want to build it just under your house? Because you got to do that mad dash when tornadoes coming and you got the kids flying in the air, you know, trying to get them down there. And I think about that scripture. He's a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. That means there will be times you feel like you're running. It's odd to think that you could be victorious and be on the run. But sometimes you got to run. It's like what you guys, I know you love, think it's funny when I say this, but it's like if someone ever tried to get in between me and my wife and our marriage, um, you'd literally see me running down the street. I will physically run because I, I treasure what God has given me so much that I will not let anything get in between us if I have to physically run. The devil hates the name of Jesus. The disciples came back rejoicing that they had power over the devil through the name of Jesus. And when Jesus would show up, the demons would say, We know you, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew whose authority was there. The second, the second weapon we have is strong tower. The devil cannot penetrate past the name of Jesus. When you feel a spiritual attack in your life, use the name of Jesus. Last night we were praying for services. And in the name of Jesus, let people be set free. You know, don't, in the name of Jesus, let all the distractions be taken away. Let the pride that's built up be demolished. The third weapon, the blood of Jesus. We're overcome by the blood and the word of their testimony. Revelation 12, 11, And they have defeated him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of their testimony, and they were not afraid to die. 
The blood of Jesus is an overcoming. Uh, it, it overcomes those stray thoughts that, that, that want to plant and land and fester and protect you. In your spirit, when your spirit becomes angry or you want to lash out at a situation or anything in your life, you can place the blood covering over it. How do you do that, Pastor CJ? I plead the blood of Jesus. I say, over my children, God, when they're taken off with Jen to go to Kansas City on a trip, I'm like, I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives for your protection. If you remember the Passover, what that was all about. The death angel was coming. Remember that the firstborn, when Pharaoh would not let the children of Israel go, and one of the plagues happened, and the death angel was passed over, and they said, take the blood of the lamb, put it over the doorposts, and the, and the death angel would pass by, and they'd be safe. And so that is the representation, Christ dying on the cross. His shed blood is the protection from, from death, hell, and the grave. And then, Fourthly, the word of God. Ephesians 6.17. And see, the name of Jesus and the word of God, even though I didn't put these in order of importance because we know that Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. He is a living, breathing word of God. And Ephesians 6.17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. You have a powerful weapon in the word of God because the devil cannot make the word which is truth, fail. It's like when Jesus was being tempted by Satan before he was crucified. Jump off of here. God will send his angels to protect you. Aren't you hungry? Turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus do? He quoted the word. He quoted the word. When you claim the promises of God in your life, they are yes and amen. They are completed. Because the word of God is powerful. Faith in God, God's word, will move any mountain, will slay any giant, will defeat any enemy. And then we move on to the last one, the last weapon, prayer and fasting. I want to hit on that again. We've, we've taught on that recently, but prayer and fasting, Matthew 17, 21, 17 through 21. You didn't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I assure you, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. That sets the bar of what we strive for in our faith, that, that we'd come to the point where there's nothing that's making us doubt. We could say to that mountain, be moved, and it would move. I said there was the final one, I'm sorry, six, Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 29. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. We know in the Acts account, we've covered many times, that was the sending of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that gave them the power to no longer hide out, fearful of crucifixion on themselves, but to step out and to be willing to go to their death for the cause of the kingdom. You need to employ the weapons of warfare. We're going to continue believing God for the spiritual awakening. But listen, I just want to, I want to finish with this. You know, when I was um, in Bible college, I did a three-month internship in Honduras, and I lived in, uh, in, uh, I lived in Tegucigalpa, capital city. And I was in a missionary's home that was, uh, uh, they were in the States, and the missionaries worked with he saw my zeal and desire to learn the culture and the language and be able to go back with that. And so uh, they often didn't speak to me in English and I had to figure out what they're saying. And he got the bright idea to hand me the keys to the speed light van and some bills and said, go downtown to Guscapa. You know, there's only you know, millions of people there, but go down there and pay these bills, find these addresses. Scared to death. I was like, you're kidding me. And somewhere in there, I didn't understand a traffic move and there was a traffic cop there and I lunge forward when I was supposed to whatever, and he gets me out of the vehicle. I mean, just going in Spanish. I didn't understand. And, uh, you know, all I knew was maybe, like, I knew taco, burrito, <laughs> the bathroom, Jesus loves you, those type of things, you know. Um, and none of those were working. So, um, you know, embassy, embassy, U.S. embassy, tried everything, you know, um, English and Spanish. And, and, it, and it's funny. It's like I had all these tools, I believe, for ministry, but I had never really, um, I never really spent the time to invest in the tools I needed for that particular ministry. 
I didn't think maybe it'd be helpful for me to learn those things before I went into it. And, and many times we find ourselves as Christians where the battle ensues, we're in the heat of it, and like, okay now, God, you got to help me. We don't think that maybe before the battle happens, before we're in the middle of that, we need to be focused on the Word of God and what are the spiritual weapons you've given me and what do I need to be ready for when the enemy attacks? And his Word is very specific about that. We need to understand that when, when we ask for things like, God, give us more souls, Lord, help us build the kingdom. God, help me grow spiritually. Let there be a spiritual awakening. That comes at a price. And that price is that now we're going head on with the enemy. He, he wasn't threatened before when we were sitting back not caring about any of that. He'll let us have as many church services like that we want to have. He'll, he'll let us have as many churches who don't reach the community as we want to have. But as soon as you turn on the heat and say, God, I'm ready to do what you've called us to do and to be who you've made me to be. I'm ready to be full on. And I love that song. I'm ready to surrender all. My best. Everything I've got. I'm not going to go to another church service without first praying through the week for that church service. I'm not going to come in there anymore just expecting to only engage whether I like the song we're singing or not. But I'm going to come in because you deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. And I'm going to express myself to you and that love for you independent of what I'm experiencing in that service because it's due to you. And I've set out to make this the Lord's Day. And I'm coming with the heart of worship. And that's why you can be driving down the road and it's like it doesn't have to even be a song playing. And next thing you know, I mean, the heavenly language is pouring out and the tears are rolling and he's crushing your spirit so that he can fill you. And that's where your relationship with him comes alive. And it's not just the mundane. It's not just doing church anymore. It's like I have the living creator, the God of heaven and earth, the almighty God of the universe is interacting with me in a way I can't deny. And then when you share that with non-believers in a world that is so messed up and they're so tired of and sick of the way it is, you tell them there is a kingdom that you can belong to where you don't have to, you don't have, to have yourself so tied up and wrapped up in what happens here anymore. Now, I, I mentioned that yesterday's scary event was, was scary, not because I'm not ready for heaven, not because I don't have confidence in where my kids' relationship with the Lord is. The scary part was leaving my wife with grief. And that's the difference in kingdom mindedness of our own preservation for what's temporal and here versus just the care and concern and love and compassion for those that God's put in our care. It's the only reason I want to hang on to this earth any longer is to win more for Christ and to lead my family to him. That's it. Love God, love people. You keep the main thing, the main thing. And when you love God, you can't just sit back and say, let me just do the bare minimum and just wait out heaven. You're like, God, I can't stand to see anybody else go without this. I can't stand it. So we're going to begin um, in the following weeks um, some different topics. Some is about telling our story. Uh, some is, uh, again, about uh, the devil and the demons and how they come at us. But we're going to be on, the, on part of the journey of the spiritual awakening is understanding what we're getting into and then fully ready, and we're going to have some services. We're going we're gonna to have a shorter message, and we're going to have some time of prayer and anointing each other and praying and sending people out. So I'm just going to challenge you to be in prayer about what's to come. Be ready and expecting. God's doing some great things. I'm excited about Tuesday night meeting, about youth ministry and some new things happening with there, and, and God's just starting to stir in our spirit some new things. So let's pray. Jesus, we just come to you right now, Lord. We believe, God, that we are in a spiritual battle. We know from your word it is clear and evident, Lord, that there is clear and present danger, Lord. But, God, we don't have to be fearful. We know that we can be victorious. But, God, I pray that you help us not to shrink back and let the attempts of the enemy uh, to thwart your plans, God, to, to hinder us, to hold us back. God, we go head first, full long into this. Lord, all of us, everything we have, our best, surrendering all, God. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do in us and, in this, and through the services and in our communities and our families. God, I pray you'd send us out on rescue missions to save that which is lost. Praise you for it. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and eye closed, I, I, I always want to give an opportunity for you to have a conversation with the Lord without me talking.
and you'll be able to just make a commitment to what the Lord is putting on your heart. And so we're going to take those few moments. Just take a few moments with him. Jesus. We just thank you, Lord God, for speaking to our hearts. Your Holy Spirit has prompted us, Lord, to be changed. As every time we come together, God, I pray that we continue to be changed, to be more like you. We thank you for your word, that God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that God pierces our hearts, and God, that we begin to understand your ways better and better as we study your word. And I just trust as we go forward in the weeks to come, God, that with this introduction, Lord, into the spiritual battle that we are that is ahead of us, God. You'll prepare our hearts, God. We'll understand that we need to be better prepared for the battles ahead, even the services, God, that the enemy will try to to try to hamper what you're doing. And we thank you and praise you for the direction you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you. Love y'all and um, hope to see you uh, Wednesday. Let's see you. We already had ladies' Bible studies, so nothing between now and Wednesday. So Wednesday at 6.30, we'll see you then.